0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. The Paycheck Protection Program was a dramatic $800 billion investment by the federal government. The goal was to keep as many employees as possible from being laid off during the COVID-19 pandemic. A new study by researchers at MIT and the Federal Reserve found that the program kept about 3 million people employed per week during spring of 2020. But the program also found that only a quarter of the Paycheck Protection Program actually went into people's paychecks. So where did the rest of the money go? Joining us now is co-author of that study, David Otter. He's a professor of economics at MIT. Welcome to Reset, David.
1: Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here.
0: So remind us, what exactly was the Paycheck Protection Program and and what was it supposed to do?
1: Sure. So at the start of the pandemic in uh, March of 2020, Uh, there was a real concern in Congress that uh, small businesses were going to go under at a very rapid rate and uh, permanently close their doors. And so Congress wanted to recapitalize them uh, in part, at least ostensibly, to keep workers employed. That's why the program, I guess, was called Paycheck Protection Program as opposed to Business Recapitalization Program. And essentially, uh, businesses of size under 500 uh, simply had to testify in writing. Testify is too strong a word. Just had to say <laughs> that uh, <laughs> they were substantially affected by the pandemic, which is which is not a well defined term. And they could get uh, payments of up to uh, ten weeks of payroll costs, uh, which, if were used to pay payroll and only partially for other expenses, could be fully refunded. Excuse me, fully forgiven. So, in other words, these were they were called loans. But in fact, almost all of them have been forgiven. So they were grants uh, made by the federal, federal government to employers.
0: Mm. And the program had a
1: massive take-up rate. More than 90% of all eligible, biz- eligible businesses took up. And by eligible, I just mean they're of the right size range, not that they were actually yeah. necessarily affected by the pandemic directly.
0: And uh, and so it's clear, uh, David, Why? what was the reason specifically that they decided to give the money to the employers, as you mentioned, rather than just discri- distributing more stimulus checks for individuals, like what we got out in 2020 and 2021?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question. Really, Congress had three possible types of programs they could have used. One was to write stimulus checks to households. One was to top up em- unemployment insurance payments. And a third was to make pay- payments to businesses. And Congress chose to do all three. <laughs> In fact, each of those programs was on the order of you know seven to eight hundred billion dollars. They were absolutely enormous. Each one of them as large as the um, the rescue program enacted after the start of the Great Recession. So uh, Congress, you went for the full menu, and they had very different properties. Uh, paycheck the Paycheck Protection Program was the one that wrote the fewest checks of the largest amounts. <laughs> so it was much more concentrated than the household payments, you know, which went to I believe a hundred million households approximately and the uh, unemployment insurance payments, which went to at least 40 million claimants. Um, You know, this there were only four and a half million PPP checks written uh, in 2020. So that means they were written for big amounts of money.
0: (laughs) Right, right. Um, So would you then say that the program was successful?
1: The program succeeded in raising employment by... Uh, about two to three million workers for a year. That's a, a, at a very high cost. So the cost per kind of person year of employment retained, uh, we estimate to be on average around um, 175 dollars to $250,000 per job year. And of course, the median workers making $50,000, which means a lot of the program money ultimately went to businesses and then the households that own those businesses and the shareholders, uh, very little of it was paid uh, to workers who otherwise would not have received payment by their employers. So only about a quarter of the money, quarter to a third.
0: And where did the rest go?
1: Again, to, to the checks were written to businesses. And if the businesses didn't use them to pay workers per se, then they got to keep the rest uh, to cover expenses or they went into profits uh, or returned to shareholders in some sense. Uh, so the program had uh, was not was to say that it was not well targeted is actually quite an overstatement. <laughs> it was almost untargeted, uh, and yeah. the reason uh, you know just step back why why didn't the program why didn't more money go to workers? The reason is that many of these businesses wouldn't have laid off workers, and so you can see from comparing eligible and el- and ineligible firms that there was only a small increase in employment at eligible firms of a few percentage points, which means that um, they primarily would have stayed in business, wouldn't have laid off that many workers. And so although the employers who receive these paychecks did employ about 40 to 45 million workers, they probably would have uh, retained almost all of them or, or either that of the Paycheck Protection Program didn't prevent them from laying off that many. So when I say the program was untargeted, it wasn't uh, conditioned on firms facing any actual hardship. They simply had to say they were substantially affected. So many firms, you know, in manufacturing, many firms in you know, trucking and uh, services, many law firms, many schools and so on, they just went about their business during the pandemic. They didn't lay off workers or, or not many. And hence, yeah. this was kind of a windfall for them.
0: Talk more about uh, your findings, you know, that wealthy people... Benefited uh, disproportionately from well, this wealthy, uh, paycheck protection fund.
1: That's because business owners are, by and large, uh, affluent, and uh, shareholders and owners of uh, corporate bonds and stocks are, by and large, affluent. So it's not that the money was targeted at the wealthy per se. It's just that if you write checks to business owners, <laughs> you were writing checks to, on average, wealthy people. Now, not every business mm. owner is wealthy, and there are certainly you know people who are you know living. You know, hand to mouth. There are people who, you know, small businesses that went under. That you know, really, uh, they're barely working on cash accounting. So it's not that nobody benefited. Let's be clear. Um, there were definitely those few million workers were retained. Many businesses were preserved, but the bulk of the money went to larger firms that were much less subject to the adverse impacts of the pandemic, and uh, and so those and you know, since those firms would have remained profitable regardless it means that the money was kind of a surplus and mm. of course that means it goes back effectively to the owners of the businesses and the shareholders and so on and by and large they're they're drawn from the uh, upper fifth of the income distribution
0: and freelancers and sole proprietors they could get PPP money as well right but they got much less
1: Is sure right? and, and and some of them and I'm sure some of them were helped a great deal. Uh, my barber, <laughs> you know, got two PPP loans. He's a sole proprietor. Uh, it would have been a, he, his business would have closed. It would have been a severe hardship for his family. So again, it's not you know, it's not all, uh, you know, it, not all the but not all the money was wasted by any sense or you know, transferred to the wrong people. <laughs> but because of the way the program was designed, uh, it you know, it went to uh, you know, a comp- large checks to a comparatively small number of uh, parties. And many of which turned out not to be in such great hardship. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the household payments went to households that were, you know, also doing fine. And the unemployment insurance checks went to people who, you know, uh, actually benefited from them, got higher pay on unemployment than they did while working. But they went to a much, much, much larger set of people. So the, uh, the kind of uh, the adverse allocation that we see just was not nearly as extreme uh, for those programs as it was for PPP.
0: And David, there apparently were a lot of fake businesses that applied for funding, right? Talk about those.
1: There was fraud uh, in both the unemployment insurance program and the paycheck protection program. And and this points to a larger issue, which is the U.S. has very weak and archaic administrative systems for uh, running uh, large national programs having to do with workers or businesses um, way way uh, way way behind our peers in Canada in Europe and so on and so there was no capacity within the federal government to make large lo- lots and lots of loans very quickly and do a lot of screening in fact the federal government outsourced this to the private sector to banks and ultimately to what were called you know fintechs like blue Acorn and wompley which kind of sprung up to uh, benefit from this program. And, uh, and the objective was to get the money out the door as fast as possible on the view, not incorrect, that if these businesses were, you know, dying in place, that if you didn't get them the money soon, you might as well not get it to them at all. Having them wait a long time while you screen their application was going to sort of be self-defeating. So yeah. the end result of that uh, was that this was done with, uh, you know, pay now, ask questions later. And later it was discovered, not uh, that surprisingly, that there were a lot of fake businesses uh, that claimed and succeeded, uh, and and that was also unfortunately true in the uh, pandemic unemployment insurance program. It's estimated that something like at least a quarter of the payments uh, in, in that program were also fraudulent.
0: This is reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And we're talking about a new study that found most of the eight hundred billion dollars in PPP funds did not go to workers' paychecks, and in fact. Ended up in wealthier households. We're talking with David Otter, an economist at MIT and one of the study's co-authors. Uh, David, some people might say that it's totally reasonable you know, for business owners to spend money on things like upkeep, for instance, and you know, that it still protects jobs in the long run. Do they have a point?
1: You know, b- payroll is not the only expense of businesses, so that that is absolutely correct. They they have to pay their suppliers, they have to pay uh, the you know the real estate uh, owners from whom they rent, and so on. Uh, the real The real problem, and this is not businesses' fault per se, but the way the program was written, uh, a business that was faced no hardship whatsoever uh, could claim this money and uh, receive a, tra- a grant, and it didn't have to. Uh, you know, it could just be pure profit at that point, and we think in many cases it was. Um, additionally, the way the program was, rules were relaxed after it was implemented. Even many businesses that didn't actually use the money to retain workers could still uh, keep it without paying back, as long as they could, uh, you know, testify that they'd either reemployed most people at the end of the year, at least, you know, or that for some other reason, because of the pandemic, uh, they were unable. To maintain employment, for example, hotels could say, "Well, we couldn't, we couldn't keep our workers because we weren't allowed to operate. Uh, Therefore, we don't have to pay the workers this money, nor do we need to Mm -hmm. uh, pay back the federal government."
0: You know, there are other people too who have argued that saving jobs was not the right strategy during the pandemic, and that instead we should have been paying most folks to stay home and not be in workspaces where you know COVID could potentially be spread. Would that have been a more efficient investment, you think?
1: Well, the truth is we did both. I mean, that's the irony. <laughs> if the if the individuals who had uh, been retained because of PPP had instead lost their jobs, they would have received pandemic unemployment insurance, which was highly generous. Right? In addition to the regular UI payment, they got $600 a week uh, of additional cash. And so for many low-wage workers, uh, their pay on pandemic unemployment insurance was higher than their regular paycheck. So in fact, we did have that system in place. So it's not clear why it was so critically important to retain people in those jobs. If you were worried about them uh, not getting income, they would have got it another way. Mm-hmm. I think Congress had a view uh, that some that retaining the businesses themselves was valuable. These were mom-and-pop shops. They were, uh, you know, they had made big investments and it would be a shame to lose them. Now, of course, when you're talking about firms of size 500 and lower... More than 90% of all firms are in that category. So to call a firm with 500 workers small, is a bit of a misnomer. This really went to the vast majority of all businesses in the United States. Very few businesses mm-hmm. have more than 500 employees.
0: So what do you think would have happened if all the Paycheck Protection Fund money had been spent directly on paychecks?
1: Uh, I Well, that would have been a lot of money. <laughs> um uh, <laughs> The uh, it would have it would have it would have been uh, it would you know created a, a much more equitable distribution of resources. Uh, given as I said, we estimate that about seventy percent of all the PPP money went to the top fifth of households. More businesses would have failed. There's no question, uh, and it would have created hardships. I think especially for small business owners, uh, sole proprietors, and so on. So I think it would have been uh, there. There would have been real cost to that as real as well as real benefits. You know, what would have been better but was not feasible is if we had modern administrative systems, we could determine which businesses, for example, were having to lay off workers, right? In many countries you have what's called short time work, where an employer reduces payroll counts or reduces people's hours, and the government steps in and, and pays those workers part or all of the reduction during a recession. So if we had that in place, Whenever a business, you know, let's say a business had 100 people and they went down to 50 during the pandemic, we could find those 50 people and pay them, right? Uh, and we wouldn't have to ask the business whether they're experiencing hardship. That would be visible. Or if we could had real-time data on, you know, finances of businesses, we could figure out which ones were facing financial hardships and make them grants or loans. The problem that, that the U.S. faced is our administrative systems are so archaic uh, and really underinvested in that they couldn't make those real-time determinations. You know, people spend a lot of time working about you know the deep state, but I'm frankly worried about the shallow state, which is our very uh, you know limited um, capacity to run complex administrative programs well. There will be another emergency like the pandemic, maybe not the pandemic again, and we will similarly want to help households, workers, and businesses. And if we have the same administrative infrastructure, then, as we have now, we will waste a lot of money again, as we did yeah. during the present pandemic.
0: Well, before I let you go, David, you know what questions do you still have about this program? And what should we all be asking our elected officials? I
1: think we should be asking our elected officials how we do this better next time. And I actually think there's a pretty good answer to that question, uh, which is, Our unemployment insurance system would have been the linchpin to doing this well. If we had a federal unemployment insurance system that we could see in real time who was being laid off and who was being paid, then we could have administered this program out of that, most of that program. Instead, we have 50 state unemployment insurance programs, all of which are using computer systems that are half a century old were not even able to reprogram their systems in time to adjust payments, and so just had to give everyone an extra $600 a week. Uh, that was purely a function of administrative uh, lack of capacity. So if we were to take this opportunity to create a national unemployment insurance system, uh, then we would have, we'd be able to meet the data needs and do this much better next time and save a lot of money along the way.
0: David Otter is the Ford Professor of Economics at MIT. Thank you so much, David.
1: Pleasure speaking with you. Thank you.
0: Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.